just about midnight, my favorite time to talk to you. This is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi, and welcome once again to Raging and Eating. And I'm really in the mood to talk to you tonight. I'm kind of mellow. I have to admit, I had a long walk and I ended up having a really juicy hamburger and some uh, hard cider with a good friend of mine. So it left me feeling a little on the mellow side, you know what I mean? And I'm sorry, vegetarians and vegans. I do try. I really do. I'm mostly vegetarian and trying to eat vegan. But I went to the doctor again. He took some blood and somehow given all that blood for the checkup, I felt like, well, I need a big old juicy burger. Why I also needed to have some hard cider, I don't know, but it just kind of went together. And what can I say? It was nice out. I was in the mood. But I will repent, I promise. I will be vegan, vegetarian chick for the next few days to make up for it. Try to equalize the universe, you know what I mean? Um, You know, we do what we can do. So we just had Mother's Day. We all had a chance to honor our mothers, whether they're with us or not. And I spent a lot of time honoring new mothers. My beautiful niece, Ruby, who is a gorgeous woman in her 20s and already a mother of three. And I honored her on Mother's Day. And I honored my good friend, Christy, who also in her 20s became a mother of two. Being a mother, wow. Okay, I haven't done that yet. I've been a godmother and an auntie and a mentor and all sorts of things. But raising kids, I mean, raising one kid is a lot of work. Raising two and three, Lord, it's a lot of work. I don't know how my mother did it because we were not well-behaved kids. I mean, I don't know what our problem was. My brother in particular, he was kind of a monster. When we traveled, we were always driving back and forth from New Jersey to Florida. And my brother's favorite thing to do, because we'd pull off into these truck stops to use the restroom. My mother hit just about every restroom on I-95, I think. That's why it took us a week to get from Jersey to Florida. But he loved going into one of the booths, and then he would wait for some poor guy to go into the booth next to him. And then he'd start making all these animal noises. And I think he terrified a lot of people. There are probably people to this day who talk about the terrifying experience they had at a truck stock bathroom in I-95 in the 70s because of the animal noises my little brother was making from one of the booths. I mean, that's kind of not cool, you know? All right, granted, we might have thought it was funny, but we were kids. Still not so cool. So, you know, we had my rotten brother who was the epitome of a rotten baby brother in every way. And we had my rotten sister who, she she liked to sing at inappropriate times and eat raw onions and run around breathing on everyone. And and me, I was the quiet, sort of well-behaved one, but behind the scenes I was sneaking cigarettes and trying to get a chance to maybe kiss a boy or a few years later kiss a girl, you know, 
We were fairly rotten kids. And I don't know how my mother did it because we were only like a year and a half apart and then two years apart. So it was a lot on her. I never really appreciated her for it. At the time, I used to say like, well, she's got an easy life because she doesn't have to work for a living. She's just a housewife and a mother. Amazing that word just, right? Meanwhile, I made some money babysitting to get me through high school because I wanted to have my money so I could go out and play. And I would be so exhausted just babysitting for a couple of hours that I just had to go home and go right to sleep. It never occurred to me that that's something my mother had to do without a break for, God, how long was it before she got a break? You know, I don't know. My brother and sister kind of still needed to be taken care of when they were in their 30s, so I guess she never really did get a break. It went on forever and ever and ever. But anyway, it's a tough job being a parent. So we have to really honor all the mothers on Mother's Day and all the fathers on Father's Day, my poor dad. But he did get a break because he would go off and go to work. It was kind of crazy to think about it, but I think going to work was his break. And I noticed he tended to work late to get as big a break as he could. So anyway, I digress, as always. We just got through Mother's Day, a chance to honor the mommies. And I also got to cater a fabulous wedding over the weekend. Now, I've had, you may remember from a few podcasts ago, we've had some very difficult clients. And oh my Lord, Charmaine, my catering director and friend and maitre d' and I, we need to take a lot of deep breaths for this one couple we're dealing with. And no names or likenesses, because that's not my style, but lordy, they second-guess everything we do, and here we are, the experts of more than three decades. And they have never been married before, and don't really know diddly, but they're constantly second-guessing us. Charmaine will design a floor plan that's perfect, where everyone has a comfortable place to sit and plenty of room on the dance floor. They want to change her floor plan because somehow in their head it looks better, even though now there's less room on the dance floor and no room to get past the tables. And we have to explain ourselves to these 20-year-old Twinkies who don't know anything. You know, it's hard. But normally, couples are smart enough to know that if they hire an experienced caterer, they should listen to them. So we got to cater the wedding of this fabulous couple and they loved us from start to finish, and their parents loved us from start to finish, and they were hugging us and adoring us. Yes, COVID-safe hugging, don't worry. I did the elbow. Just lovely. And we got to do beautiful food and no second guessing. We gave our opinion, and they listened. And it was just nice to be respected and heard and then appreciated. And isn't that all the magic? I mean, that's applause. So sure, yes. We cater weddings because we want to make money, of course. But the respect and the applause and the love, you know, that's really why we're in the game. So to be so appreciated was so nice. And to do some really, really, really gorgeous food. So yes, of course, you want to know, what did I cook, right? Well, I did my beautiful salmon and plum ginger glaze. It was kind of a subtle 
Asian theme, but not overly, just kind of woven in and out of the menu. So it was salmon, and we just brushed it in olive oil, salt and pepper, and seared it on both sides. Took it to the party for the wedding. And I made my plum ginger sauce where I cooked down plums and shallots and ginger. And I cooked it in red wine and then my secret weapon, Manischewitz sweet conquered Passover wine. It just, it's just great in the sauce, what can I say? And balsamic vinegar and all my seasoning. And it was gorgeous. And then I pureed it, sweetened it up a little with a pinch of sugar, a little salt and pepper, just beautiful. And that got brushed on the salmon, and then the salmon went in what we call a proofing cabinet. That's how you heat food for catering, a heating cabinet. It just was gorgeous. And then I did a spin on my famous chicken and apricot mustard glaze, but because it was a subtle Asian theme woven in and out of the food, I cooked down apricot preserves and sake, which was delicious. And then I pureed it with some mustard and some tamari and a little maple syrup and salt and pepper, cumin, coriander. It was delicious. And so we marinated the chicken in my herb marinade, which is basically all the herbs we had left over pureed with garlic and oil. So it's usually parsley, scallion, rosemary, thyme, garlic, olive oil. Marinated our French breast of chicken in that. We roasted it to perfection. Then we took it to the party where we glazed it in the sake apricot glaze, finished it off till the glaze was caramelized. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But my favorite part was so the entrees were served at the table, but the side dishes were family style. And my favorite part was pad thai family style. So we got these oval-shaped ceramic dishes that were gorgeous. And we cooked our rice noodles so they were gluten-free for the gluten-free people. And this was a vegan dish. It's really everybody wins dish. Vegan, vegetarian, dairy-free, gluten-free. Everyone was happy. I made my famous sauce where I cooked down chili pepper and lime and ginger and cilantro and scallion and, God, what else? I did my sweet chili sauce was in there and something else. Oh, a ton of tamari and a lot of sriracha. And I didn't do honey because then the vegans, they don't like honey. They have issues with honey. I did some brown sugar. I did some olive oil, mm, chili, lime, lots of lime. Anyway, it was a gorgeous thing. I made my pad thai dressing. I make it a little different every time. So we put our rice noodles in a metal bowl, covered it with boiling water. When it was soft, we drained it. We tossed it in the chili lime sauce. And we tossed in also julienne red and yellow pepper and julienne snow peas and julienne peeled and julienne carrots and a ton of scallion and more cilantro. And salt and pepper was beautiful. And that it made a really, really, really pretty side dish in the ceramic oval-shaped bowls. I took a lot of pictures. I'll put them up on Instagram. You can always find me. And all I'm doing on Instagram at Chef Rossi NYC on Instagram. Anyway, it was gorgeous. Beautiful, beautiful thing. Everyone loved it. And then it's just some gorgeous vegetables, also family style. So we roasted Brussels sprouts, 
everything we did in olive oil, kosher salt, and fresh ground pepper. Brussels sprouts, carrots, they were gorgeous. And then what else did we throw in? Asparagus, a ton of asparagus. They all loved each other. And shallots, they loved each other. And cauliflower, it was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It was a gorgeous thing, let me tell you. And so it was just a great meal with a happy, happy client. And they had a ton of hors d'oeuvres. We had little, little baby New York pizzas. We were on our pizza dough. We brushed it in a herb oil with basil and rosemary and thyme. Toasted that. And then we roasted red onion and put that down and tons of mozzarella or marinara sauce, of course, and Parmesan. First we did the marinara, then we did the onions, then we did the Parmesan, then we did the mozzarella, then we did sliced calamata olives, then we did more Parmesan and more fresh herbs and toasted it off little perfect little baby pizzas and everyone went mental over it. It was a really great, great food. And my beautiful mac and cheese fritters. I've already given you the recipe, so I'm not going to again. But if you write to me at theragingskillet.com, I will give you the recipe. And what else? Oh, we had a perfect little vegan vegetable curry, which I served in a perfect little espresso cup. There was like the finest, tiniest dice of carrot and the finest, tiniest dice of zucchini and red onion and cauliflower, and something else. What did I throw in? I was having so much fun. Red and yellow pepper. It made a perfect little dice, and we sautéed that with a ton of curry, and cumin, and coriander, and coconut milk, and some hot pepper, and salt and pepper. And then we, when it was finished, we threw in baby peas. It was a beautiful thing. And we served it in the little espresso cups, and everyone went nuts for it. So... As much as I was loving doing all this beautiful food for all of these people, what I really loved was the appreciation. And at the end of the night, Charmaine and I went out to the dance floor, and the, mothers of the, the mother of the bride and the mother of the groom were loving us, and the couple was loving us, and the crowd was clapping. It was pure appreciation and respect and applause, and that's what makes it all worth it. I was thinking about my journey hasn't always had all of that appreciation and applause. So now I've published a book, Raid the Raging Skillet, which became a play, Raging Skillet, which has traveled the country and been a hit. And hopefully, if there is a Lord and a God and a universe, you will get to see it off Broadway one day soon. I'll keep you posted. That's what I'm hoping. And I've written a second book that you'll get to read one day soon. And you know, I've got all these things that have been happening the last few years. But that's been after a lifetime of being disrespected. I mean, women in my profession, women in any profession, women, well, just women, we're constantly harassed, we're sexually harassed, we're put down, we're disrespected. I was just watching a film on Sheryl Crow. I have a lot of respect for Sheryl Crow. I met her once because she performed at a private party that I was a caterer of. That these people were so rich they had enough money to pay Cheryl Crow to come sing. But the woman has talent, amazing talent, and she's lasted for decades. And she's a superstar. She's a real rock icon. She can hang with Stevie Nicks, you know what I mean? But her road has been 
sexual harassment and humiliation and all kinds of crap. Just watching this movie about her, I thought, wow, I'm complaining about all of the disrespect and sexual harassment I had to take trying to be a female chef. And here's pure Cheryl Crow, who's talented like there's no tomorrow, a real superstar. And she had to take so much crap. She went on the tour with Michael Jackson. That's how she started to become a star. And his manager harassed her. I mean, the poor woman went through a lot. And she had to do what a lot of women did. Like, in order, like, why didn't she have a successful marriage? Everyone wants to ask her that, probably because she spent most of her life on the road. But also because men, the men she would meet, wanted her to dim her light so that theirs would be more brilliant. And I know so many women who do that, who are beautiful blazing fires and they have to dim their light so the light of their spouse can be more brilliant. And I say that's not love. If I have to dim my light so you can shine, that's not love. My girlfriend of 12 years now, this September, believe it or not, I can't say that she's always had an easy time being with me. I talk a lot. I tend to, I don't know, be the center of attention. I always have a big project. I'm writing a play or I'm writing a book or I'm on a book tour or I'm catering something or I'm speaking at an event. There's always something going on and I get a lot of attention. Uh, Sometimes because I honestly, I guess, look for it, which is something I'll have to work on. I'm sorry. But sometimes just because of the nature of how it is, you know. And she's never asked me to dim my light so hers can be brighter. Now you could say, well, that's because she's a woman. But hey, listen, still, you know, my partner, right? And she has a brilliant, brilliant light and she doesn't need me to dim my light. Maybe sometimes I dim it a little bit just so I can listen to her and look at her and pay attention to what she's doing, but I don't need to do it and she doesn't need me to do it. And I think that's healthy. But I know lots and lots of couples where the woman has to dim her light to make the man shine, where the woman is brilliant. In high school, I knew all of these girls who were so smart and so brilliant, but they got some sort of a lesson to pretend they weren't, to dumb themselves down. So they wouldn't scare away the boys because boys don't like that. They want to be the smart one so the girl couldn't be the smart one. I know a woman right now who is just a gorgeous woman, very smart, very capable, and she constantly dims her light so she won't overshadow her husband. She constantly lowers her head so he can raise his higher. I mean, how many women do you know? Maybe your mother's doing that. And it's a sad thing. And I think about all the harassment I endured trying to survive, trying to be a female chef. And then even when things were, I was finally making it and I got to own my own business, I would hire male chefs who would constantly disrespect me. And I thought, God, I went through all that effort to not be disrespected by my boss. I started my own business. And here I am being disrespected by someone who's working for me. I mean, it's a really tricky thing, right? So I think in honor of the Mother's Day we just had and how 
awesome moms are, and teachers and nurses and women everywhere. Let's not dim our lights, ladies. Let us not dim our lights so that a man can be more brilliant. You know, quite honestly, if they have such low self-esteem that they need us to lower ourselves so they can raise themselves, get rid of them. Who needs that crap? Don't do it to yourself. Life is going to try to shut you up. It's going to try to tell you you're not as smart as a man. It's going to try to tell you you're not as talented as a man. It's going to harass you, not as much as usual because of the Me Too movement and people waking up, but it'll still harass you. But don't do it to yourself. Don't dim your light. Blaze. Have glory. Shine. Because you are brilliant. And I still catch myself doing it. You know, quite honestly, I do. Sometimes I find myself in a social situation and I feel I have some fascinating things to say. I don't know why I think things I have to say could be fascinating. But sometimes, you know, I just like, oh, I have a fascinating thing to say. And I start saying it, you know. But then I realize there's someone who's less fascinating in the group. And suddenly I feel like, oh God, I, I have to push myself down and submerge myself so they can shine. Well, now, okay, well, that's an act of kindness. And we don't want to stop being kind. And we don't want to overshadow someone. So that's different than dimming your light for a man. But sometimes I do it a little too much, you know. I mean, I've had people that I dated that I had to do it to, to elevate them. I was in a relationship once for almost five years where I felt like I was lobotomized because I dimmed my light so much because the woman that I was with was insecure and had self-esteem issues. So I didn't want to overshadow her. And so I dimmed my light so much so she could shine that friends who knew me for a long time thought, what the hell happened to you? Did you get hit by a car? Speak up, what's going on? It's a crazy thing, but I won't do that anymore. Now, I'm getting a little older, more by the day. I have to admit, COVID made me feel like I aged 20 years, didn't it? It's like dog years. Well, it hasn't been two years in COVID land. It's been like 20 years. But I'm getting older. So you could say I've proven myself, certainly as a caterer. I still don't feel that I've proven myself in a lot of ways, but I don't have to prove myself to anyone else but myself, right? What is that test that we're constantly climbing over? I need to prove that I'm worthy, prove that I'm good enough. Would I do all that if I was a man? I don't know. I don't think as much. I think it's constantly been a lifetime of trying to prove myself because women aren't supposed to do this and women aren't supposed to do that. Women can cook at home as the mother or wife, but they're not supposed to cook for a living or for money. Even as a writer, what's interesting is a lot of the magazines and newspapers I've written for over my career really strongly preferred to have a man. And there were many opportunities in the beginning of my writing career that I truly think I got because nobody could figure out if Chef Rossi was a woman. They thought that was a guy. So sure, you can have this opportunity. The same with catering. I had people who hired me 
to cater large events, thinking that Chef Rossi was this big Italian man with a mustache. And what would show up? Um, this blonde woman with curl, you know, curly, crazy hair. Jewish blonde woman. Certainly not a big Italian man with a mustache. So, but it got me in the door, you know what I mean? So, what is the point of this rant today? Well, I'm still honoring the mothers because one day and one week wasn't enough. But I'm really honoring the women. And I'm talking to myself too. Let's not dim our light. Let's shine our light. Let's be brilliant. And if you are sharing your life with someone, that you have to dim your light so that they can make theirs brighter. Well, I think you got to get out of that relationship. It's not worth it. You should never submerge yourself for someone else. I have done it, but I'm not going to do it anymore. Or I'm certainly going to try. I'm not saying I don't occasionally fall into the hole. Nobody's perfect. Just like I've been trying to be vegetarian and I had that big juicy hamburger. But it was a Pat Lafreda burger. And that's a really serious butcher here in New York City. And just don't turn down a Pat Lafreda burger. And the fact that I'm gluten-free and couldn't have the bun and just ate the burger with no bun and it was delicious. Now that's a serious burger. But I promised to make lots of vegan and vegetarian food this whole week to even it up with the universe. So, what does that have to do with women dimming our light? Nothing, but why not? So, ladies, please be brilliant, because you are brilliant, and you're beautiful. Don't dim yourself or lower yourself for anyone else. You are not helpless. That's a learned thing. I know of so many women who have taken on a learned helplessness, like they submerge themselves and let their husband take care of them and submerged themselves and pretended to be less smart and submerged themselves and pretended to be less strong. And now they believe it. Suddenly they can't seem to do anything for themselves. But underneath all of that brainwashing that they did to themselves is this brilliant, powerful warrior. And look at Cheryl Crow. She's a rock icon, right? So talented and awesome with this huge career. And yet she had to go through enormous duress and harassment and bouts of depression and times when she couldn't even leave her room and had to cancel appointments and tours. She's a survivor. She's powerful. But she went through all that. And knowing Cheryl Crow went through all that, it made me feel really validated. So I like that she shared that. I just saw the movie Cheryl, the documentary about her on TV tonight. I think it was on HBO or Showtime, one of those things. But check it out. She's a good girl. She's an awesome woman. And I think about the rock heroes of my life that have given me strength and courage. Deborah Harry, I love you, Deborah. I hope you hear this one day because you're just freaking fantastic. And Joan Jett, still rocking hard and truly, truly awesome. And Pat Benatar, oh my God, her song, Hell is for Children, that was the anthem that got me through high school. We love you, Pat Benatar, you rock. And I was never a huge Sheryl Crow fan. I mean, I like that song, um, The Sun Set on Santa Monica Boulevard, whatever. But 
After watching this documentary on her, I, I really do love her. I'm going to go back and listen to her music because she really deserves it. And Stevie Nicks, love you forever, Stevie Nicks. So this is to all the awesome babes. And you don't have to be a rock star. You just have to be you. Don't dim your light for anyone. Just be brilliant. Yeah, baby. This is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi. And this is Raging and Eating, of course. And as always, food is love. And so are you. Now, ladies, go out and shine. And men, you let your ladies shine. Don't, you know, get over yourself. You know what I mean? All right, I'm out of here. Thank mm-hmm. you.